Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. This is Brian Moore's Full Contact, brought to you by The Telegraph in association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact in association with The Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance. I'm Brian Moore and joining me in the studio today is the former England and Gloucester wing, James Simpson Daniel. Coming up on the podcast, we'll be going over the second week of the Lions Tour with Zinzan Brook, Reggie Corrigan, Nicky Robinson and Sean Lallant. Super League is on the agenda with Phil Kaplan going over the latest action, plus we'll be hearing from another member of the team behind the team. Every week you can join us on Facebook Live at 6pm, just search for Telegraph Sport and you can listen to the whole show live on the Telegraph website. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, after all it's free, and then you'll never miss an episode. And also, if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review. OK, on with the show. As usual, we've got uh, many, many questions from listeners. So we'll take a few of them now. Um, let's take the England game first. Uh, from Rugby Dad, uh, did England make a mistake letting Andy Farrell go? Well, I think you've got to say that uh, Paul Gusted is a fairly experienced operator and under him, England's uh, defensive efforts have, uh, have not lacked. So I'd... You know, everyone has its shelf life. It's a shame that he went to a competitor, a direct competitor in Ireland, but uh, I don't think England have, uh, you know, have lacked for a replacement. No, I, I tend to agree, really. I think, I think the, main, um, the main disappointment is, is what you mentioned, that the fact that he has gone over to Ireland, but that's what the modern-day game is now. You know, yes. Uh, coaches do leave. They go to um, competing countries. It's just the nature of the beast. And I think um, Paul Gustard, you mentioned before, I think is... A massive um, plus for England. Oh. I think they're very, very fortunate to have him. Um, Saracens have always very openly spoken about how good he is. Talking to the Saracens boys when I was playing, oh. they were saying how he was he was literally the main driver for everything they were trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think I think um, he's a very intense man. Have you ever met him? He's very, I have. He's very, you know, he, he's, he's so, the sort of man you wouldn't upset. I don't think. No, he's but he's he's so passionate, isn't he? Yes. You know, he's really passionate. I I had the um, the opportunity a few months ago. Uh, to be around the the kids, it was the under 19s, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he came in and did a talk, and he, the way he spoke to the group, he was so inspirational, and that everyone loved him. Oh. Um, it's like a lot of a lot of the pe- the best people, the best coaches, they're so passionate about what they're talking yes. about. And he's clearly that, yes. perfectly friendly. But as you say, I wouldn't be trying to wind up the wrong way. I mean, when someone speaks to you um, like that, 
you buy in, you buy into it, don't you? I remember reading a book about fell running, and it was so good that I almost wanted to be a fell runner. I mean, I've no 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 reason ever to want to do it. It's a maniac sport, but it's like everything. If someone enthuses you and makes you believe you could do it, then you want to go and have a go, and especially if it's relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, firstly, on that, I'd have loved to have seen you running over the fells. Um, <laughs> you you my, my old school Sebba, they had plenty of fells which you could have covered. Oh, you were a Sebba boy? I was a Sebba boy. With, do they um, do the 30-mile hop at Sebba? It's like the Thomas Higgins school days, isn't it? They, no, the, but they do, a, they, do a, they do a very serious cross-country, don't they? The Wilson Run. The Wilson the Run, Wilson yeah. Run, it was 11, um, they call it the 10-mile. It was 11 yeah. miles. Um, and there's instances of people getting lost in the fog. And uh, <laughs> Thankfully for me, actually, I was playing England under-18s and uh, they insisted that I couldn't do it, so I was so so disappointed to miss out. I didn't on know that. you were a Seba boy because yeah. I played in the Seba centenary game against Yorkshire schools. Okay, um, when basically all the boys like me from state schools took it as an opportunity to beat posh people up, posh boys up, and um, we couldn't understand why everyone was saying, "We're saying who's this player Brown? Who's good? Who's, who's this player Brown?" Because they're all shouting, <laughs> "Come on, Brown!" Of course, the school, yeah, K- Kitty's Brown. We didn't realise that it wasn't a player. No, so was, and the, the school <laughs> kit was brown because we never had any grass on our on our pitches, so it was all it was basically the jersey was constantly brown, so it was just easier to go that way. But but yeah, we had uh, Will Greenwood, um, Carling, Carling, of course, yeah. Phil Dowson, Mike yeah. McCarthy. Really, I didn't yeah. know there's that many. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, a question from Lee Holland: Should Ford be touring with the Lions? I think if, if I if I take the reins of this, I think he should. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm his biggest fan. I think again, people might say defensively he can be um, run over a little bit easier. You can make easy grounds on him. I think what we see with Ford, firstly, his connection with Farrell, the way they play together, that yeah. that ten twelve. We saw we'll, we'll touch on this with Sexton. Yeah. But we saw we've seen that with England's game for a while now. They they link incredibly well, which yes. gives width to their game. Yes. So they play a brand of rugby that England want to play. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you do need to have movement around the field, but more often than not, George Ford picks the right options. Yes. And 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 by by running well, with ball in two hands, he's got the he's got the ability to hit any one of two or three or four runners, but he also knows when to dummy, and yeah. that's when he finds holes for himself. And he's incredibly quick. Yeah. And he's got a cracking rugby brain, and he hits penalties. Well, when um, you know, I remember a try score for Bath when basically there were options either side of him, and he just kept the ball and, and waiting for people to take. The dummy options, and he just walked under the puss. Yeah, I think he just I, waited. It's like and people waited. were just falling exactly. on the floor, and he yes. was just holding it and doing this. Exactly. But that's a sign of a ball player. Yeah. Um, and on Saturday, on Saturday yesterday, um, you know, against Argentina, uh, picking out that Yard had a prop against him, and therefore, because when he did the miss one, I shouted. You know, why are you doing that? Why are you making the winger's mind up for it? But he's yeah. seen the mismatch. Absolutely. And that and that's what I think he can't... Not all players are blessed with that, the ability yeah. to see. And that's why, more often than not, you'll see him make the right decision because he's got vision. So I feel... Yeah. I, I'm very much in the camp of if you've got someone like Dan Bigger yep. on the flight, which, I, you know, he's a good player, of course he is, I just feel you're going to get more... Mm-hmm. I th- why couldn't Ford do the bigger job? And I think he might have got a little bit more of a... Of, um, we might not have lost that game of the day. I'm not saying that was down to bigger. I just think Ford creates more. And and the other thing, we just I'll just touch you. We wrap this up. Um, his defensive weaknesses or alleged defensive weaknesses are not anywhere near as bad as people make out. You know, he puts his body in the way. All right, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't smack backwards. Mm. Um, big seventeen stone runners who were taking the ball on the hoof. But Johnny Wilkinson, I'm afraid, is responsible for this. 
for you know for skewing the debate yeah. uh, in a way that no one ever bothered to criticize flowers because no. everyone knew they were cowards and they got out of the way and you just had to get you you <laughs> just had to make make do with it or and now you know they're, they're not as physical and they're from a standing start but Wilkinson Wilkinson unusually dropped people and dropped them backwards everyone there was point out pointing and saying well why can't you do that so because I'm normal you know absolutely <laughs> you know yeah so. Johnny was a, a rare breed now, I think the other thing just finally is is we're not people aren't saying that Ford would necessarily start the test yeah you know it might not be able to hold up the defense against New Zealand the way that that someone else's might but I think certainly having him in the tour squad mm. and equally on the bench with the ability, if you are suddenly 10 or 12 points behind, you can't yeah. afford to get any more behind. Yeah. Could he create something from nothing? Mm-hmm. And my view personally is he could have. Yeah. Uh, Rob Dore, a question. A nice and simple one. Where are the tries going to come from? I presume it means the Lions, because <laughs> England scored several uh, tries, including a, a, a one by Denny Sonomola, which, 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 I mean, it was almost worth... With Solomon, you know, seeing suffering the agony of seeing him miss two tackles and lose two tries, to to see him make the atonement with that long run. It's a, if he can, do, I mean, he's been doing that for sale. I understand. I haven't seen him yeah. that much because he's not been on TV. But uh, if he can carry on doing that, it gives uh, England a very uh, a very nice an, another option. It does, and I think we spoke about this on the, on the phone a few months ago. When we, I keep on saying everything's a few months. It's more like nine months. Whatever. <laughs> Whenever we spoke on the phone, yeah. about, I said there's almost this vulnerability there, and I love that that raw that yeah. raw X factor. Yeah. Um, yes, it comes with its its flaws a little bit, but mm-hmm. as far as actual ruthlessness in, in in that attacking prowess, which we didn't see a lot of him yesterday, he was defending quite a lot against Argentina. Yeah. But when you get a guy there that can take a try the way he did. And he made it look easy, and he was exceptionally quick. You know, yep. he showed serious wheels. He's a great one to have up your sleeve. Yep. Going back to the original point, we've swerved away from the question because I think I'm... I was going to ask that same question to anyone we spoke to. How, <laughs> yeah. how are the Lions going to get their tries? Um, well, know, they created they created two or three chances, which, for me, for Ben, ben you know, Teo, who, mm. who has been a revelation to a lot of people on this tour who don't yeah. know that much about him, did the hard work. He ran the direct line, straight line into the inside shoulder, took his man on, mm. beat him uh, with his feet, and then it was simply a pass that let him down. Now, skill sets of international players and rugby league players do not usually. No. I mean, you can't blame um, um, Liam Williams. It no. was a pass that was, you know, up and behind him and, and should should never have been, should just have been in front of him. But So that's definitely one. Um, and uh, there are a couple of others which were partial chances and they just need those to click because so, they are making... And I, I think in games against the All Blacks, the amount of try-scoring chances you get, you're probably going to get three, four... Maximum. Decent ones. Yeah. Well, decent ones. Probably probably ones that are actually tough ones yeah. that you've got to take, you've got to take well, everything you can, don't yeah. you? Yeah. I, my, my view on the try situation is you're probably almost relying on an individual mistake, like a missed tackle. Yeah, yeah. Someone like a T.O. to break a missed tackle, mm-hmm. and then maybe you through and execute the two-on-one. As you say, you're going to get one of those a game. Probably going to get three in the whole test. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is, is is an area that people don't take advantage of enough now is penalty advantage. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of, as soon as you get to the try line, pick and go, pick and go, pick and go, yeah. pick and go. Then the arm goes out. Right, then throw your X-factor play in. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, 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 for me, is is an area that sometimes people just sit in the pocket and go for the drop goal. Well, it seems to me a lot of the time it, the, it's a one option, or oh, we'll do a cross kick. 
Yeah, but but all that is is almost well, no, that's, that, that's throwing the coin in the air and hoping it's exactly. heads or tails. And there, that, there are there are more precise surgical. Why not try two attacks. or three phase two or three phases of your miracle play? Yeah, and then throw the ball in the air with a kick. Yeah. So I, so again, it, it it doesn't sound like the most ambitious way. We're saying that you're relying on a missed tackle, possibly from the defence, um, or a moment of genius. But then you're also saying if you manage to get a penalty advantage. Those are the small margins you're going to get in, in Test Rugby, Ooh. and especially against, arguably, the best New Zealand side, the best rugby side we've seen in a long time. Uh, the other thing that we haven't seen from the Lions, and I'm hoping quite fervently, actually, that they are keeping bits you know, from, from, uh, from sight, which would be a sensible thing to do. Mm. And in particular, if you go back to Liam Williams' try against England where he walked under the puss not being touched, yeah. the reason he did that was well, there are three dummy runners and the back row fly-half inside centre had all sorts of decisions to make, and they guessed wrong, and he walked in. And the same way that, you know, Ireland play with Johnny Sexton and, and Leinster, mm-hmm. you know, and, and England now do uh, with Ford and Farrell, the number of runners that are either fixing men so that they can run or are, you know, direct carriers and so on, uh, they are always there. They're constantly there in attacks. All we've seen at the moment is the... Usual now standard, you know, rugby league import, which is the deep pass yeah. to a runner. We've seen that several times, but we've not seen any moves that require complex numbers of decoy or potentially, uh, you know, different carriers. And I'm hoping that when we get to the test matches, we'll see these for the first time and they will cause mm-hmm. problems. And from there, that's when you're thinking about where tries come from because defenders have to make choices then. Yeah, I totally agree. I, th- I think the point with that is I think you want to see a lot more playing on the gain line, getting your fly half really flat yep. because it's going to be hard to make yards against the All Blacks. Yep. And I think that's where you might have Murray with line outs, maybe off the back, uh, taking the ball, holding it a bit longer. And as yep. you said, you suddenly bring the blindside winger in, so he's going to hopefully hold the seven. You then have your 12, if that's T.O., I think it could be, um, flat right on the gain line and even, and even Farrell looking to pick the right option. So you've got two, three, four... Um, guys running at holes or half holes, and I think Barrett's the man they're going to target. They need to be trying oh. to target at ten because he's not a big, a big if guy. He, if he plays, if he plays, yeah, yeah. if he. This is the thing we're speculating about: who's going to start <laughs> for the for the All Blacks? Um, well, and the Lions as well, because you've presumed that the uh, just there. I mean, inadvertently though, that it, it will be a Farrell, uh, Teo, um, <laughs> twelve, thirteen, Murray and Murray. Well, Murray will be nine. Yeah. Um, but do you think Sexton's done enough? Because he he didn't play well. Um, he didn't play well in his first two outings, mm. but uh, and he came on in a, an unfamiliar position. But I thought played much, much better. Maybe it was a simple case of of the fact that when he did, because he you know played first receiver quite a lot mm. and swapped it with Farrell, that he, he was with a, a player who he plays with a lot and um, you know he's comfortable with Murray, um, or, or it was just it just I don't know. Maybe his form he just clicked for whatever reason. But do you think that's enough? For Gatland to then say ten, you know, keep the island halfbacks and then use Farrell as a as a twelve. Personally, I wouldn't be starting it that way. Right, I, I'd be I'd be in the camp of go with your your um, your Farrell ten, yeah. Murray nine. They so they certainly seem to work quite well in the they first half. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there didn't seem to be any breakdown of communication no. there. I'd almost start them, and I totally agree with you. I think that Sexton after the first game, he, and he was so disappointing. Individual errors, passes, kicks were poor. Um, I thought when he came on the other day with Farrell, I didn't think that partnership was going to work, by the way. The reason is... No, I didn't. <laughs> I thought they were quite fiery characters and they yeah. could literally tear each other apart on the pitch. 
Whereas actually, they seem to link quite well. Um, so I'd almost have that on on my on my bench with the, with it up my sleeve if you need to go to it. Uh, one thing I was mentioning to you off air is that puts a lot of pressure on the other centre. Yeah. Because it means that you've essentially got two fly halves, mm-hmm. and when they get the ball in hand, they're almost treating the uh, they're, they're playing as a fly half, and what they're doing with that runner, the TO, it's putting all the pressure on him to carry. Yeah. Because you're almost replicating one phase might be Farrell at ten, and then have TO and his forwards running off him. The next phase you're getting um, Sexton at ten. He's almost replicating the same thing, and I wonder if. And what do you need to do then with them? Well, well what, what what I'd like to see if they're going to play if they're going to play those two, I would almost want to see one pod set up. So you might have say Farrell at first receiver with two or three runners. One mm-hmm. inside runner might be a blindside winger. I'm going to say a null. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have a shoulder option, and you might have another flat ball. And then I'd like to see the option of going through that to Sexton, who's got a similar pod around him. Uh-huh. So he might then have a runner inside him and a runner on his outside shoulder. And then he might have his fullback hitting the 15 channel flat and hard with the winger. So, so that you're, gives doing you that, you're doing that on, 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 on successive ones going the same way? Yes, exactly. Because I think, it, yeah. I think that'll link and bring them together a lot the way that we see Farrell and Ford playing for England. Yeah, yeah. And that creates width in your game to give space for the likes of Joseph when he's in the England jersey. Uh-huh. And equally... When when um, Sexton's doing it for Arnon, they're trying to play with width. Mm-hmm. He he replicates and does the same thing. I think we've just got to be careful. We don't end up going two identical pods, phase after phase. Yeah. It almost looks like an element of one out runners. Yeah, but off the ten jersey. Well, everyone is speculating who and we are doing partially, and we will do even more fully with all the guests. Actually, who will be in the starting uh, fifteen and on the bench. Uh, and there was a, a point of view, and this was brought over by the pundits um, um, from the TV, that the Highlanders game, which is coming up uh, on the Tuesday, would be the ideal time to play the test team because you'd give them 10 days rest. And, you know, you were saying to me that that was a very good thing physically. But having seen the Highlanders selection, we've got it here. You know, uh, it can't possibly be that way around. It must be the Maori team, mm. which is going to be the shadow test team because mm. you've got the starting... You know, 15 for the Islanders gave Marler, Best, Sinclair, Laws, Henderson, Haskell, Stander, Warburton, Webb, Bigger, Henshaw, Joseph, Noel, Payne, Seymour. Now, you know, with the best will in the world, though those halfbacks are not going to be the starting halfbacks. Um, Agreed. Um, Seymour, Payne, unlikely to be uh, starting test players. Haskell, doubt it. Stander, maybe, but not as an eight. Uh, Henderson, Zeff, definitely no. I think Rory Best is unlikely to start now, um, irrespective of the fact that he was, you know, touted before the tour as one of the prospective captains. I don't think that he again, and this is twice in a row now, has has, has shown as what he definitely can do and what he's been doing with Ireland for a number of years. It's just unfortunate, but his form seems to have dipped. And Warburton. Hasn't had that much game time. Mind you, neither has O'Brien. He's had even less game time. But I think O'Brien just showed a lot more than Warburton did in a, in a game which, which which was a more difficult game. Um, I think that, for me, O'Brien starts over Warburton. I think if mm-hmm. Warburton didn't have the captain's jersey, I think we wouldn't even be questioning this. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that we're almost saying... But but let's be open. I'm pretty sure wasn't Gatlin quoted before the tour saying that his captain doesn't necessarily start the No, test. that's true. And, and everyone thought that was strange. And I thought yeah. it was strange as well. But um, and, 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 and I don't know Sam Warburton, uh, you know, at all well. Mm-hmm. I've met him a few times and I've heard of him. And he is a sort of person who's got an ego yeah. that is sufficiently robust enough to take the hit and, you know, and not be, you know... 
we uh, won't be pleasant for him, but but would would get behind the team and, and yeah. all credit to him. So I don't think you're going to have a particular problem like you might have with other things. It's just that people think it's strange and it's not conventional, is it? No, it, it's not. And, and the thing is, if you've got a standout captain who is out, you know, like Martin Johnson, for example, who's clearly yeah. a captain, clearly a starter, it's yeah. dead easy. Yeah. When you haven't got someone like that, then yeah. why try and push it and force it? Because you're, yeah, handi- I agree. you're handicapping your side. And, you know, I'll be careful how I say this because... Um, I, there's mixed views about it. There's almost the England had the same type of of issues with yeah. Hartley. Yeah. You know, was was our best hooker starting? Yeah. Um, because he was captain. Well, that's why Eddie, the, Eddie Jones also picked several vice captains, wasn't it? And he, he's just to try and break the mould. And... Uh, absolutely. And I think with this lion side, you've got so many leaders throughout the side. Uh, exactly. It doesn't matter who's captain because when they're on the field, Farrell plays like a captain anyway. Yeah. He makes the decision. When um, Alan Wynn, um, he plays like a. You know what? What a he man, is a man possessed. He was a warrior, wasn't yes, he? He's just... And and you've got you know you've got other 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 people there. Yeah. Owens, I thought did well, uh, captain in the side. Um, I didn't. I've been a fan of Owens, and I was one of the few who said that he should probably be the starting hooker, and he's mm. turned out actually to have done very well, and yeah. and 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 lived up to uh, to what I knew he could do, mm. and may well start. I think uh, with um, Jamie George. On the, on, the on the bench. In association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions. On with the show. Time to speak to the former Wales, Wasps, Cardiff and Gloucester player who um, is a corner, or what certainly was a corner, of Monbegdude, the, uh, the horse partly owned by my co-host. Yeah, rarely, ra- this rarely happens. I rarely speak to two horse owners at once. Nicky Robinson. Hello, Nicky. Evening, guys. How are you doing? We're OK. James has got a strange grin on his face. I don't know why. Because I, I, I was the brains behind the operation. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I want to get that in first before he starts making up stories about stupid questions I'd ask about which way the horses were going round and is that, is that it or is that another lap to go and things oh, like oh, that. Right. Nicky, I'm, Nicky, I'm just happy you've taken a break from your packing. He's going off on another holiday, you see, Brian. Oh, I see, so right. he's taking a break from his packing to talk to us. The, so goal, the that, golf guy. thing, it's, it's, it's with the Wasp legend. Oh, is it? Um, on, yeah, we're off to La Manga on Wednesday uh-huh. to raise some money for, for the Wasp Foundation. Is, so. um, is Andy Good going? Because... Because he's, uh, he's a former Wasp player, isn't he? He's a... Yeah, I'm not sure. He'd probably advise, I'm sure if he could, he'd be there. Whether he's, oh, he's, he's, oh, he's in New Zealand. Yeah. He's in New Zealand, he's I think. There, yeah. I tell you what, if you do ever play against him, be careful. Because I saw him at La Manga hit a drive. I reckon it was 360 yards downhill. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> definitely. Oh, he's a big, he's a big well, lad, he's isn't got, he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's got, a big fat lad. I mean, he's 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 a bit of the, yeah, the John yeah, Daly yeah. type. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I think, I think there's plenty of bandits on on this trip. Some yeah. rugby players with some made up handicaps. With some <laughs> scoring. Andy Andy Gomez will nearly touch fifty points last year. So, <laughs> oh. um, yeah, there's a few bandits Absolutely. definitely this week. I think Andy Powell's there, so that'll keep everyone well, well, this week. So. Yeah, not necessarily golfing wise, but no, you know, exactly. hopefully not. No, exactly. <laughs> oh, you're here uh, principally to give us a. I think it'd be really interesting to get your take on what we've been discussing about the the Ford Farrell um, ten and twelve maybe. What, what's your view on on? So tell you what, first of all, do do you think that Conor Murray will be the starting half back in front of Reese Webb the, the, this week half? Look, I think he plays he played very well on the weekend. I think Reese Webb um, kind of shone out against the Blues. I yes, know it wasn't did. a great performance, but I thought tactically kicking wise he was very good. I think. 
he he's a lot more dangerous around the fringes than Con, Conor Murray. So I think he will act, he will offer a bit more in attack and a bit more um, bit more of a danger there than, than Conor Murray. Oh. Um, but kicking wise, I think they're pretty close. I think that Conor Murray was was pretty faultless. I know yeah. the odd pass in the first half, which didn't they leave to try, but but I think kicking wise, especially second half, he mm. he kind of read the game so well. Um, that I think if you had to choose choose a nine now, he would be he would be my nine with Webb on the bench. Mm-hmm. And then, do you go for the uh, the usual pairing of him with uh, Johnny Sexton, or because Farrell combined very well with him? But well, they're all it's a tantalising one, is it? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think obviously we would, I was a bit disappointed with Sexton the way he kind of started the tour, and kind of Farrell was was probably slightly ahead of him, and I think Gatlin said from the start that. He want, he's picked Farrell as a 10, not as a 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way that um, he kind of controlled the game at the start was, was great. And I think that the way, which, which was a real nice surprise for me, is how flat he was taking the ball mm-hmm. um, against the Crusaders' defence. Obviously, really physical, but it almost seemed to be everything that they did, the Lions, was really flat and in, in the Crusaders' face. I think attacking-wise, that um, they looked so good. And Jonathan Davis nearly scored within the first minute of the game where Farrell yeah. put a lovely flat pass through. And we didn't score from that, but um, and then obviously with when Davis went off and Sexton came on, you did think, oh, is this how is this going to work this partnership? But I mean, look, it, it worked so well, didn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, the attack mm-hmm. was was by far better than than the Crusaders, which we didn't. Well, I wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. to be the case, um, and they did seem to link up really well, even with Ben Teo, who is obviously is carried so well. But even he had some really nice touches as well mm-hmm. with the ability to kind of put other people through through holes. So um, look at that back line really did fit well. Whether they'll go Sex and Farrell because Gatlin said he's a 10. So um, Teo is kind of at the moment is definitely one of the centres. Which way will they go? Will they, will they go? Farrell's got to play in my mind, hasn't he? Especially if you're not, if Halfpenny's not playing, then, then so, Farrell's yeah. got to play. But whether they go Sex and Farrell. Before Saturday, I would say no. But then after Saturday, I think Sexton did did plenty to think that um, that he could he could be in that test starting time. Would, would you would you start him in your starting test? Would you Sexton? Well, I, I, it, 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 at the moment it, it's a it's a tricky one because I, I I'd like to get Jonathan Joseph in there as well because I think he can offer something a little bit different. So if you're doing that with Ben Teo, then it, it's a Farrell Sexton shootout. And now before the tour, I, I was a bit—I was more of a Sexton fan than than a Farrell. But from what I've seen so far, and I know it's early days and things can can easily change, but I think Farrell's got to play. I think his defensively is very very strong as well, isn't he? So if you've got that as a 10-12 Farrell, Teo 10-12, and, and Joseph, that, that's quite a strong kind of midfield defence there. So I, I, not that Sexton is poor, but I think Farrell's probably a bit more physical, and I think he seems to be. A bit of a leader, isn't he? You're looking at kind of your your Alan Wins, George Cruz, second rows, and then your mm. Palatow, Ake, Murray. Now you need he he's a real kind of leader and, and has been for for a while with Saris and for England. So I think him stepping up to that um, would kind of fit nicely. I think we we spoke about this when we've been uh, walking the dogs. That's when we seem to talk on the phone, Brian, me and Nick. <laughs> right. um, but we we, we talked about that point. midfield. <laughs> we talked about that you midfield. Get, you get people to walk your dogs for you now. <laughs> oh come on! I used to have to walk mine. We uh, <laughs> we talked about that midfield thing, haven't we? And we were saying at one point, do you reckon he'd go out and out power and Davies and um, Tio? And then we were talking about Joseph's defence, and Joseph might not be the biggest defender, but because of his speed, oh. he can cover he can cover the space and make up for any yeah. errors that might happen. Do you reckon there's any danger of going for the big power games, Davis and Tio, or not? 
Yeah, definitely. I think Gatlin is a massive Davis fan, oh. um, and he actually finished the season really well. I wasn't, and he played that well for Wales during Six Nations, but kind of back end of the season, kind of played himself onto the tour. And 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 look, they can both play. I think Teo showed at glimpses that he can he can distribute a bit, but they, they neither of those who have got the pace or the, the ability to kind of jink and um, and create something when the, when the, in a tight space that Joseph can. And mm-hmm. I think. From what I saw on the weekend, where they like to, they'll carry with the forwards, and and the Lions got a lot of gains going down short side, like Liam Williams down the outside when they're doing little short passes. I think that would possibly suit someone like a, a Joseph who can link up with your with your wingers as well, which kind of what Sexton and Farrell will do on the weekend. So I definitely think that that gives you a bit more of an outside option with Joseph with his pace and his ability to bring the wingers of 15s in. I know... And who... who that, just just as you raise that, I'm glad you raised that because it saves me doing. Um, George North, I think, is certain to be one wing. Um, I'm less sure about the other wing and the fullback. Um, if you're looking to get uh, some, um, you know, quick footwork in there, I wonder whether Watson is going to... Because I think Watson's Watson's cameo was one which was unexpectedly uh, good and, and set them a problem which... They will be happy to have, but it was unexpected. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think everyone thought Hogg was was the kind of the main attacking fifteen that that we've got on the tour. But Watson came on and did did really well. I know they Crusaders kicked loosely yeah. um, because the, the the Lions' really good defence, and, and he did have a, the ability to run back. Now, um, I would I think they may look at as a, if they're looking as a running Hogg, obviously you've got the running ability, but also a massive boot on him. Which you'll definitely need to kind of mm. to make sure that, that we're playing a better territory. I think I think he's got a much bigger boot than Watson would mm. do. Whether you're going to go with Halfpenny, I wouldn't be surprised if Halfpenny will start a test. Um, defensively, he's I think he's the best 15 that we've got there, mm. reading the game and and obviously the kicking game that New Zealand do bring um, with crossfield kicks and and finding space. I think Halfpenny is probably the best we've got with them. Um, and also, obviously, goal kicking from a distance is is is, is a massive plus for him. So, what about um, the but, other the other wing? Because I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Liam Williams in one sense because, you know, he had that nightmare under the high ball, and uh, and then he had people who kept passing the ball to his feet and to his head over and his shoulder, you know, yeah. over his shoulder, uh, and he wasn't you know given the chances that uh, you normally uh, expect him to put away. No, I, I agree, and obviously that the, the, the yellow cards. We, we, I think it just that just showed the pressure these guys are under yeah. out there playing against the Blues. He's come on, and he's and he kind of he gives he gives a hundred percent like every time everything he does, Liam, and and he often makes a, a, a small error. But to do something like that twice, take a guy out in the air twice in five minutes, I think it's just a bit of a kind of blip of the pressure they're under. I think yeah. he was a, a lot better on the weekend. Yeah, um, he had a bit of space, and he he can create as well. Like, yeah. I know. Like when the Wales were there last summer, he was Wales one of the best players on the park, both sides. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, so he can, he can. That was at 15, mind. So, um, but I think there seems to be that he's at Wales and Gatland and, and Howley all want to always picked him as a wing. So I'd be surprised if he does play 50. So I think he could be there. Whether I said whether that's a Watson goes there or not. I mean, North was quiet on the weekend, wasn't he? Um, he did a lot of kind of kick chasing of Conor Murray's kicks, but he mm-hmm. didn't get involved a huge amount, and and, that, and that's what the North probably won't. Liam Williams will come in field looking to, to to help out a bit more. North 
does tend to stay out on his wing a little bit more and will get brought in more offset piece stuff when they need a bit more of a power game. Sure, surely that's that's per. I think you've got to look at balance and combinations there. You pointed out a second ago, George North likes to hold width. He likes ball and space. He's a big runner, big carrier, fast. I'd forgive Noel that that game the other the other day that he had. It wasn't his best game um, we've seen, but I think the way that he gets so busy around the guards, the uh, around 10, 12 channels, I think that's a good balance to have one traditional winger that stays wide waiting for the ball in space and the other one that gets really active. Um, would you forgive Noel that performance, Di? Definitely, definitely. Look, the, 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 the pass he dropped off the scrum was just... It wasn't a great call anyway because he, he was going to get hit by, I think it was Lutu or the back broken off the scrum. He took his eye off. I think little things like that. Again, that's a bit of a nerves for the Lions, pressure, everything coming together. I I love Jack Noel as a player. I think he's, he's defensively, he's, he is incredible. His work rate, his speed. And then, and they said he's a bit of a kind of Milner Scudder, isn't he? That kind of shape where he can, probably not small as him, but the ability to step and, and kind of get through ta- tackles as well. And, Said defensively, his work rate is huge. So, um, look, I wouldn't be surprised if if he's if he's there. But I know that Gatlin likes players who don't make a lot of errors, and things that he did in that game possibly would have been would obviously be a slight mark mm-hmm. against him. Now, getting another opportunity to show what he can do, um, we'll, we'll obviously I'm sure he'll get that before the test. But um, is whether he can kind of take those opportunities. I think that's down to to everybody now, isn't it? We're getting mm-hmm. closer. It's it's a good performance, a good half can kind of get you that, that starting jersey. Well, where would you go, Simbad, with a back three then? You're the expert in this area. <laughs> um, literally, just just in a nutshell, because we need to get you off the phone because Brian's had enough of you. I'd be <laughs> going bath with... Bath time as well. Yeah, <laughs> bath time, you need to keep packing. And, be... and it's National Gin Day as well, which I've been informed by, sorry. Oh, I, oh, was I, it? Oh, I, I right. thought you were slurring your Apparently. words already. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like that, I should tell you. I'd be going north one wing, I'd have Watson at fullback, so I think he's got that electric ability, and I'd go Noel on the other wing, so I think... He he just has so much involvement in the match. I like the way he's so busy as well, the way you said, and that'd be my three personally. Okay, yeah, well I'd... we won't have long to uh, we won't have long to find out. Nicky, uh, great as always. Thank you very much, mate. No problem at all. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Uh, we're going to change tune now or tone because the next man who comes on is the former Ireland and Leinster prop Reggie Corrigan. So I think we'll discuss a certain um, well the dark arts. Let's see, Reggie. Hello. Hello, Brian. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I won't ask you to contribute to the back three uh, conversation because we've I'm had a bit that. Disappointed. I know. Well, I know you often played out there. Here, I know, I know, uh, I was, uh, I know you often have found on the wing, but that's because he couldn't get up. <laughs> I was, I know that. The, the, the look, Lions two are great for this because he can speculate endlessly, and um, some theories were that uh, you should play the test team this coming uh, Tuesday because that gives them ten days off. Um, and then some say, well, you know, Maori's is the one because it's a week before. Now, having looked at the side that to play the Highlanders, that is not a test team, and um, therefore some of the players uh, cannot possibly be in contention. But I'm interested um, in the fact that props now are going to play, starting props might play 50 minutes and then, you know, 50, 55 uh, and 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 the the people on the bench will usually almost always get twenty or twenty five, so you can afford to maybe um, ask someone to play, you know, a, a turn with a turnaround of, of of five days, which you wouldn't ordinarily do. And I just wanted to see who. Look, let's get down to it. Who do you think's covered themselves in in glory and uh, and might be the starters and finishers, as they say. 
Yeah, well, certainly the front row, it's, it's a tricky one. There's no question about it. Um, I think Sinclair has been the bolter that's really impressed me so yes. far in terms of tight head. I mean, I, I just think he's, he's uh, these lines towards always uncover somebody that's a bit of a surprise, and he's certainly mm-hmm. been the standout one for me so far. So if I was picking it, I mean, I, I've been impressed with Furlong. I know a lot of people uh, have been talking about tight Furlong pre-tour. Uh, Dan Cole hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity to, to show himself that much either, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I suppose... As things look at Tighthead, I think probably Tight Furlong is looking like uh, he he's pretty confident of a starting place. But I'd love to see someone like Sinclair there to come on after, as you say, 60 mm-hmm. or 65 minutes, because he makes an impression. He he creates something when he comes onto the pitch. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of dynamic is something I think the Lions are going to need, um, certainly in the latter stages of the game, because the way things are and the way things are looking... Um, it's going to be a seriously bruising encounter for the first 60 minutes. There hopefully won't be too much in it in terms of the scoreline, and they'll be looking mm-hmm. for someone that might be able to come on and make an impression. So certainly he would have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. In terms of the loose head, um, well, McGrath pre-tour would have been uh, someone that you would have been pushing down alongside Vinopola. I, I just think maybe uh, Vinopola is, is edging it at the moment. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you could look at a, a starter of Vinopola and then, uh, have McGrath on the bench again someone that can come on and, and make an impression should it be needed now there's four pretty serious props <laughs> uh, and we haven't even mentioned Marler obviously and, and you know there's four serious props there that, that can certainly you know battle hard for 60 minutes mm-hmm. and bring on two seriously good players for the last 20 I tell you so, so, I tell you I tell you what this is there's nothing wrong with this and this is how it goes on Lions to us you've obviously got an Irish perspective because you see more McGrath and, uh, yeah. and Furlong. And I've obviously seen more Marler and Cole. Yeah. And it seemed to me on Saturday that Furlong had a bit of trouble with his right shoulder, getting it down at times. He got, he got shoved. You know, when the push came on, he rode up. Uh, and that, you know, you, 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 you have to be animally strong um, to, yeah. to, to hold that. And, you, and no one can. I mean, it's not possible. And when Cole came on, he got his right shoulder down. It made sure that the right-hand side went up, which obviously helps the back row. And the yeah. other thing with Marla is, as is on, a, on a pure scrimmaging basis, no one's got the better of him at the moment. And I just wonder whether Catlin will say, look, for 50, 50 well, first half certainly, 50 minutes probably, what we don't want to do is get into referee's mind in a test match that we're the side under pressure. Because if it starts yeah. going that way, the arm's going to go against us for the rest of the game. And it means that when we have uh, substitutes, he might still think that, and that's going to, you know, it's going to screw up everything you want to do. And I just wonder whether he might take the safe option in terms of pure set piece work with Marla and Cole, and say, right, if we want people to run around later on, the Furlong or the Sinclair could come on, and maybe yeah. uh, Vuddy Paula, who's got, you know, we know they've all got great hands and carry well, um, because there's, uh, to me, I, I, go on. Yeah, not to cut across you, but I, I know the point you're making, and, yeah. and, and I, I 100% agree with you from last weekend. Last weekend, we were lucky in the sense that the French referee uh, went on the sides of the Lions, yeah. and incorrectly so, in my opinion. He gave about three penalties against New Zealand, against the um, Crusaders, sorry, that shouldn't have been, mm-hmm. uh, where Furlong was under pressure and basically was getting driven back in the scrum. We were mm-hmm. lucky, and mm-hmm. no question about that. So, in mm-hmm. terms 
if you're talk, if you're asking me to pick props that are going to play and, and do nothing but scrummage, mm-hmm. I agree with you. You know, your 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 outlook is 100 percent right. Cole will lock it down that bit uh, more solidly, and Marler could possibly have the edge there. But if you're talking about uh, an overall performance of uh, front row players, mm-hmm. I'd have to disagree. And the reason would be that if you look at uh, Jack McGrath's tackle count, for example, he was leading the tackle count. I think halfway through the first or the second game that he was in there, he was. You know, he was up in the double figures already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and also, I think the line-out is an area where lifting, as we saw with that last uh, line-out um, against the Blues, is so crucial. And I think that uh, both of those are, are, are just that little bit more mm-hmm. tuned in uh, in that area. And then there's also the point of the breakdown. I mean, McGraw makes a huge number of turnovers in that area. Um, so there, there you're looking at three different areas. The other aspect that I would look at in terms of Marler is at times he can be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a situation where he had a carry forward ball there. And, you know, he went and took that extra yard when it wasn't really necessary when he was tackled. He could have mm-hmm. just laid it back and it was at a crucial time as well. So in terms of if you want me to pick a scrummage in front row, I 100% agree with your analysis of it. But mm-hmm. if you want me to pick an overall front row that I think that can last the game and contribute to all aspects, um, which I think we're going to need in this game uh, because I don't think there'll be that many scrums. Don't forget, uh, the All Blacks don't tend to knock too many balls on. That, 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 is scrums, that is a good point. You know, yeah. The number of scrums that there's going to be in a, in a Lions versus uh, All Blacks test will be, probably be less than there would be in your normal uh, international test. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at it from the point of view of what's going to be more important. Um, guys who can tackle, lift, poach, um, and even carry, uh, or are we just going to worry about set piece and try and grind them down with that? Because that won't win. We will not beat the All Blacks just trying to play a set piece grinding down game. Reggie, um, it's James here. I've been kind of listening, James. so I have nothing to offer with with regarding front row action. Um, but as, as, as a retired winger, obviously, what I see when I look in, I we talk about Vunapolo for a second. In the loose, he seems incredibly good with ball in hand. Yeah, uh, he always seems to carry whatever else. You were mentioning um, the tackle count from some of the other guys before. What would you say? Yeah. What what's kind of what would be the negative as far as um, Vunapolo's game goes? As far as the front row, is, it, is there a part of his set piece which is weak? What what's your view? No, well, as I said, I I, I probably would start Vunapolo um, in the loose head position alongside Furlong and have McGraw on the bench to come on because I do think he's got a a very solid all round game. If there was anything that I might um, say would be a weakness, it may be just that after. 50 minutes he he tends to tire a little bit because you know there's not a the needles in the red as they say and at that stage it would be good to have somebody like McGrath to bring on but there's very few weaknesses and he's certainly a prolific ball carrier as well which is something that Mm -hmm. I think we're going to need in that front row so as things stand at the moment for me he's he's holding the number one jersey um just slightly ahead of McGrath so I wouldn't find too many weaknesses on and um I, I, I thought we saw the test um, second row partnership in Cruz and uh, Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah, um, yeah. There's no doubt they were they were solid. I'm, I've been a little bit um, maybe disappointed uh, with with Laws and um, Mara Toji as well. I just thought I was expecting a little bit more from them. Mm-hmm. Certainly um, in the Blues game at a point when. The Lions had battled to get themselves into a position where they're a point ahead and, and, and there was five minutes left and there was just that moment and, and, and it said it to me, it was that moment where I just saw Morrow losing the plot for a simple turnover ball and I know it was the excitement and the adrenaline rush and everything else but I saw the way Rory Best looked at him and the reaction to that and his reaction was, 
what are you celebrating for? We've got five minutes left in this game. We've got a long way to go. And it was a little bit of immaturity. I just felt that kind of came out. So you could be right. might be looking at that. But I do like the athleticism of the likes of Laws and these guys and the hits that they can make. So it's, it, it, it is a tricky one, um, the second row one. But it, you're probably right. You probably will go with that little bit more experience there. Reggie, great as always. Thank you very much, mate. No worries, Brian. Good to talk to you. Take Cheers, care. Reggie. Take care. Cheers, guys. QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions. Well, it's always really good to get the uh, opposite point of view, and I'm really pleased to say that we can speak to a former... Well, he's not a former legend, because I think once you're a legend, you're a legend, aren't you? It's, uh, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even need to tell you um, what he played and who he played for, because it's in Zambrook. Good evening, Zinni. Good evening. Hi, Zinzan. How are you, Ryan? I'm good. all right, mate. Now, um... Up till the Crusaders game, I think quite a lot of the... And look, you can't always take uh, face value what people write in the press, certainly, because a lot of it's clickbait now. But, yep. you know, I think uh, when you were looking at people like Justin Marshall saying, look, you really need to start putting performances in because this is not going to hold the attention of the public, you have to take that seriously. And I think the Crusaders did that. Uh, sorry, the, the game against the Crusaders did that. Yep. Do, do you think that was... Uh, are we reading too much into that, or was that how good a win was that? Well, I think it was actually. Uh, I know, and I've played the uh, Canterbury Crusaders uh, many a times, and they won't. They wouldn't have. They'll be. They'll be a little bit embarrassed of actually how they got uh, cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was a good display from the uh, from the British and Irish lines. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. It was. A, it was great intent because um, you know you've been in that situation when the pressure's on, and uh, you need to pull. Uh, you need to pull a rabbit out of the hat, and they certainly did that. Uh, and it was very convincing, uh, the performance that actually changed the way that the Canterbury Crusaders actually played, and, uh, you know, fair play, to the, uh, fair play to the British Lions. The, uh, I, I really think the uh, tour is back on track now. Because I, I, you know, I've, I've written this uh, for, my, uh, for my stuff in the uh, Telegraph, and I said, I think the Lions have the ability, but not the time, to get to the sort of familiarity that New Zealand have gotten, the way that they play with, you know, just what they see, and they're very familiar with each other and can play, you know, seemingly off the cuff, but they're certainly comfortable with ball in hand. And I believe the best chance, and if you had them together for two years as a squad, you could try and mould them into that sort of team, and it'd be great. But I think the best chance they have in the limited time they've got is to play the sort of sort of game they played against the Crusaders, where they use the front five to try and squeeze. They won't dominate the All Blacks, but to try and just make them get, you know, le- less good ball than they might, put the, you know, put the runners on the bit much of the back foot. So they're small margins and chipping away, you know, what the All Blacks do really well, which is getting across the game line and then getting quicker and quicker ball to put them into a position like most sides where if you put under pressure and you're forced to play on the back foot a little bit, you suddenly start to look a bit more, you know, a bit more ordinary and a bit less uh, superhuman because there's not going to be much in it. But to do that, they're going to have to play fantastically well in what they do and they're going to have to take all the chances. Um, do you think they can play any other way do you, or is that a, a fair summation? Well, I, don't, I, I really don't think, I don't think they need to. I, I felt that there was enough. I felt there was an, enough on both both parts of the game uh, uh-huh. from the British and Irish lines because, you know, when it when it needed to be tightened at the door, when the door has to get shut, you, you know, you you you, uh, you you take it in close. You use the forwards. You know, mm-hmm. I I felt that the British and Irish lines uh, set piece was was very good. It was outstanding. 
Um, their, their distribution uh, uh, wider was, uh, was, was very good. What I was impressed with was, was, their, um, was their solid uh, defensive line, which actually uh, challenged the, uh, the Canterbury Crusaders. Um, but then on the other side of things, which I felt where I felt that they were a little bit lacking in the, uh, in the game against the, uh, the Auckland Blues, I felt that there was, there, was, there was four or five occasions where they kicked the ball at first and second phase, which I didn't think they needed to do, and uh, but it sort of flipped on the, it, it flipped on this one here, whereas the uh, the Crusaders kicked it back to the to the Lions because of the the tight defence of the British Irish Lions, and then the counter attack came from um, the, uh, came from the, the Lions, and they had some uh, great runouts. They um, they exited very very well, so I would I'd be quietly confident they'll take a lot from that there. Um, you know, it'll it'll take the the pressure and the heat off them uh, certainly for, for for two or three days because they're they're back at the grindstone on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night. So they're all tough games, but I think they're meaningful. And it's when you're playing games like this. Look, they, I know they lost. I know they lost. I, I felt that the first game was a it was a bit of a it was a poor performance. But you know, the whole three days after wasn't 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 ideal. And then you think, right, a week later you're going to come up against the Blues. Look, the Auckland Blues didn't thrash them. There was just there was a moment of magic in that game. The Sonny Bill Williams, Stephen Luatua, and Ehi West that she scored that try under the sticks. That was just one piece of magic. So you know, last um, on Saturday against the Crusaders, I felt it was actually uh, I thought it was a great display. And the, and the question marks that's that's going to put the uh, that'll put the pressure on on Steve Hanson and, and guys. And now that the uh, All Blacks have got a couple of injuries. Um, you know, and 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 the pressure the pressure's on. So I think the wind and the sail is back in the in the British Irish lines. And um, yeah, I, I think they're I think they'll do well. But what I've seen from from that and the Crusaders, I thought it was I thought it was it was very good. It's a step in the right direction, and um, yeah, it's encouraging. And, and just just rewinding back a second to the Crusaders, was that a case of the Crusaders were quite lacklustre and they were a bit shabby by their own high standards? Are they sat there doing their analysis today, going? Isn't it embarrassing that we were so bad on the day, or was it the fact that Lion, the Lions didn't allow them to get into their game because of the pressure they put on them? You know, because every side is forgiven a terrible performance. Was that Crusaders, or was that more down to the Lions' credit? Uh, well, shabby. I think you've been kind. I thought they were. I thought they were. Poor, I thought they were very bad. I, I, I thought the Crusaders. They, they will analyse that there back and through. You know, I, I pick out like. Uh, Israel Israel Dag was uh, he was off uh, he was off key. Uh, he certainly um, he made some mistakes that he doesn't normally do. But uh, but I think that's a contribution of actually when you saw that second half and there was a there it wasn't desperation. It was it was about the the formation of it. He said, "All right, here we are, Crusaders. Here you have the ball. Right, you attack us, but we'll shut you down." But that what I was impressed was 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 that quick line uh, the the, uh, the defense. They pushed up, you know. When teams when teams feel that they're they're exposed, what they do is what they'll do is they won't rush up. What they'll do is they'll they'll jump off and let them do what they can do. And what they'll do is they get an inside out shoulder. What the British Lions finds is just pressed them and gave them no they gave them no space to breathe. And uh, their their big players, their big hitters, didn't actually uh, produce it. They just shut them down. And they were they were a little bit rudderless, to be honest. The the Crusaders, I you know I. I you, you know, I'd like to say that they uh, that 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 was self-inflicted, but it wasn't. It was actually the the, uh, the British and Irish 
Lions actually pressurised the Crusaders. Mm. And, um, you know, Steve, Han- I, I tell you now, Steve Hansen, he won't be sitting there with a little wee smug uh, smile on his face right now. Well, um, Zinni, absolutely ideal man to answer this. Uh, Kieran Reid, we don't know if he's going to be fit. Um, if he isn't, you know, you've got Liam Squire, Surveyor, Kane, Kano. Um, yeah. What, who's going to make the starting uh, berth then? Um, well, you know, this this would be a, this would be a big shot, a big shot for me. But I would, I quite like, I I quite like, um, I quite like Adi Sevilla. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Just just at number eight, I just yep. think there's. Uh, if they can have a, they can have a solid platform. All you need to do is just get off the deck here, just hold it and produce, and then you have you have two open sides. You have two open sides bankers playing, mm-hmm. and Artie Severe, his energy and his way he actually plays. Look, I'm, I'm, I don't think he can play 80 minutes like the way he, he does, but it will that for me. But uh, yeah, touch wood that Kieran Reid is uh, fit and available. But if not, Artie Severe would be probably my choice. He's amazing, the loose, isn't he? He's just all yeah, he is. He's and... just he's just an absolute. He's just an absolute terror, you know, on that loose ball and, and the ball carry and the and energy of carrying the ball, you know. Oh, it's phenomenal. I tell it's, you, it's one, one area, I mean, you, you, you've got a second row pairing, you know, um, uh, Ricklick. Uh, Ritalik, uh, Brady Ritalik Rick, and uh, Sam Whitelock. I mean, that, that's a tremendous second row pairing. I think if you're looking, though, you know, if they can match, they've got to match them there, absolutely, definitely. But I think we, we saw with the... You know, Romano, he's, I mean, he's a great player, no doubt that, but I don't think he's in the league of the, the first two. Uh, well, I can tell you right now, he just he, he just put a little bit cross on his name and his performance. Yes, yes. Uh, and what what are we going to make of uh, the... the Dane Coles is not going to play, I don't think, is he? I well, d- I would... I, I would it would be very difficult for him to do that now. What has he been doing? I know he would probably be, would be doing fitness, as you know, as a hooker, you need match fitness, especially when you get into the uh, when you get into the engine rooms when the uh, the forwards go, uh, going at each other. You can't have, you know. But you, you say um, uh, Sean O'Brien. I think that's Sean O'Brien's. I think that was his first hit out. I think he did. What did he do? Fifty-five minutes. Yeah. And I thought that's he did. I thought he did, yeah. I thought he did very, very well. Yeah, so will good. it be Cody Taylor? You think? Cody... Uh, Cody Taylor. Um, As a hooker, or will it be, yeah, will it be Harris? Yeah, well, Cody Taylor, yeah. Yeah, but he, uh, yeah, he missed a couple of shots. But, yeah, probably Cody Taylor. Cody yeah. Taylor was the obvious choice. Okay, so we're going forward now. Um, we've been asking everybody, uh, you know, about the, the, the Lions team. Let's just ask you um, this. In terms yep. of, in terms, you've already said Hanson... You know, I mean, no, no, no. The All Blacks are not afraid of anyone. No one's afraid, you know, physically no. of anybody. No. But where are the areas where Hanson will be now looking with a bit more interest than he he might have done before when he's going to face the Lions? What playing against them? Well, yeah, look, but, yeah. they, they they would need to make sure that they. Uh, I think it's going to be about the ball retention and making sure they're going to play the uh, play the long game. Yeah. Like uh, the, the the ball retention, it's not going to. It'll be the the kick and chase. Uh, I, I honestly think that the, uh, the British Lions and the All Blacks, I think they'll square themselves off, and I think it'll be it'll be guys like um, like Bowden uh, Bowden Barrick, Milner Squatter, Milner Scudder, and guys like that who can actually change the face of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting here. But I think it'll be small margins now that the the fact is that if the British and Irish Lions adopt this sort of uh, strategy. 
you don't need to, you know, I, I don't think the British and Irish lines need to actually be, be that expensive because the conditions have been a little bit testing. That was a little bit testing the other mm. night, mm. but I don't think it's going to be any better than uh, any better than that. Um, so I, I would be comfortable that uh, you know one, a one point uh, a one point victory would be uh, would be good enough. I think it's going to be. I think I think it'll be that that tight. And certainly the next uh, the next three games prior to the first game is going to be it's going to be a big indicator of actually how this is going to uh, unfold. But mm-hmm. when you're sitting here doing a uh, doing a um, uh, a pre-test analysis of what's going to come forward, I really think um, you know. You know, after the first couple of games, you sort of think, goodness me, how, how are the Lions going to go forward on this? Well, they've answered that question. They've answered, mm-hmm. they've, they've answered it uh, uh, well with that, with that display. But they need to up. Midweekers need to place the pressures on those, uh, you know, the big the big games yeah. against the, uh, the New Zealand uh, Maldives, which will be like, you know, Canterbury, they're saying that Canterbury is the fourth test. Well, if you want another, the fifth test, the, the fifth test will be the uh, New Zealand Maldi side. Yeah. So, uh, but small steps, and they're, but they're doing they're doing the right things. They just need to slowly, slowly uh, hold themselves and compose uh-huh. themselves. But the British and Irish lines, I don't. There's no panic button at the moment. Oh well, that's good. That's that's good from a British point of view. Here, Zinni, uh, thanks, mate. That's okay. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Time now to speak to the uh, Scotland and Glasgow fullback, uh, Sean uh, Lamont. Sean, good evening. Good evening. Hi, How Sean. are you? Okay, first of all, let's talk very quickly about uh, about Scotland and Italy. Uh, Gregor Townsend's first game in charge. Uh, it was a win. Uh, we expect it would be a win, but how um, how do you how do you rate it? Um, I think it was exactly what it what it was. It's a good, comfortable win. Um, and again, it's a, it's not a bad one to open your uh, sort of gambit and coaching role in Scotland. It was a, a good win, so good tries and mm-hmm. all around good performance. Um, yeah, it's very pleasing to see. Finn uh, Finn Russell um, did what uh, we know now he can do. He ran the game and uh, lovely offload out the back of the hand uh, for well, it wasn't even an offload; it was a pass uh, for for a try. Do you think he was unlucky not to go for the lines? Um, it was. I mean, I think it's just the stuff he needs to do to round his game off and become that more complete player. I think that's mm-hmm. obviously um, a few things he needs to work on. Just Making the right decision at the right time, and although he does it a lot of time, it's, I think it's just where he has those moments. Um, I think you saw in the Saris game in the, in the European, he wasn't quite on form. I think things like that cost him, and I think obviously the England game in the Six Nations mm-hmm. as a as a whole, I think it just took took the edge off mm-hmm. his performance. Although generally he's been he's been very good for us throughout the year. I'm glad to see us. For Glasgow. Um, yeah, just Probably. now, now I've retired. I'm not. I know. Not, I know. It's, anymore. it's difficult to do, though, isn't it? So, uh, totally, it, it never stops that longing. Don't be, don't no, be afraid of that. That's it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think he was unlucky not to go. It would be nice to see him, see him there. But again, he's up against a lot of quality uh, tens at the moment as well. So um, I think once he gets that, that more roundness to his game, you can you can see him sort of pushing for sort of oh. that sort of that sort of standard. And Sean, I, I didn't see the game the other day. Was there um, obviously thirty-four, thirteen? Any standout performances? Who who caught the eye for you? you um, I'd have to go for the, the old squad father that is there now. Ross Ford getting getting a brace is always nice, especially when you're uh, as a, a forward and <laughs> an aging member of the squad. So getting a, getting a double is always nice. Um, Visser took his try well, and Ali Price got the, the ball moving very well as well. So it was a it was a 
very good team performance, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. which is what what is good. Obviously, I think having a big core of Glasgow mm-hmm. players helps. I think mm-hmm. there's ten involved or something like that. Yeah, um, that always helps with with play style and, and with the nine ten combination of Ali and Finn who play together a lot. I think that get got things on the front foot and moving. And what what just um, on the other side, what were Italy like? Because obviously they were so disappointing throughout the Six Nations. Did they show any hope, or were they were they poor? Um, just to get similar sort of old story, Italy just not quite not quite clicking as well as they can do. And whether it's just certain players coming back, or mm. um, I think the fact they're missing Sergio and stuff like that, I think that cost them a bit. Just that maybe the leadership, but. Mm. Um, yeah, they weren't. They didn't turn up on on that day. Uh, I know they, in past they've pushed us really close, but they they certainly weren't there. Um, sure, let's the let's office. let's move on to uh, to the Lions. Um, you know him uh, uh, very well, but Stuart Hogg's had a a bit of a rough time in in, in many ways, uh, and hasn't you know he didn't didn't uh, he had a difficult uh, opener. Um, and then, of course, he got taken off by a purely accidental. That looked horrible, though, didn't it? Elbow to the to the head. I don't know yeah. if there's a bit of bad blood between them, but no, it was completely. But I mean, we all know what he can do. How do you think Gatland will be going around, or going about the difficult um, task of assessing, uh, you know, his contributions maybe for a, a test spot? Uh, it always tough. I mean, when you don't get a good showing, especially when you're out on tour. Yeah. Um, it, I can't say it really helps hmm. your your case, but I think we need to look beyond the last two because the first game it's a new squad together, not, not hadn't played together. Um, people come from all different places, try to catch up to speed. It's the first and just off the plane, difficult. just off the plane, just off the plane as well. It's always going to be difficult. Lots of pressure. Um, obviously, it being the opener, and again, I suppose these. Although you want to put your market down again, you're worried about. It, Players will be worried about injuries, especially the the more probable players picking up injuries in the pre-test game. Because you, in the call that day, I know it's still representing the Lions, but everybody's fighting for that test spot and mm-hmm. taking that actual test jersey is uh, be a, a wonderful thing. And to obviously pick up an injury and stuff like that during the the war, not warm games, but the pre-other friendlies or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. um, has got to be always in the back of a player's mind. Um, but uh, Hoggy's Hoggy's a great player. I was speaking to him just after the, after the test to see how he was, and look, it's it's rugby. You pick up injuries like that, and uh-huh. unfortunately, it's your own teammate. But it's a contact sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, I think it's just a split. Nothing that'll Did- keep him out for too long. But look, it's, I think, knowing what Hoggy can do and and get and seeing him over the Six Nations, um, a couple of down Did- games and, and a new team. I don't think it'll it won't help. But again, you got to go back on what he can do. Did you play with with um, Hoggy, um, Sean? And if so, what what's he like to play with? Does he sometimes? I, I'm watching him and I'm wondering, could he have given that ball to his winger earlier and let him have a run? And you know, did did you play with him? And what's it like? What's it like if you did? I've played I've played with him many times. Um, yeah, he's a he's a good player. He's young. He's he got loads of energy. He mm. loves rugby. He's an absolute rugby pig. <laughs> um, uh, he's a great player. Again, these little things learn whether to make that pass or not. It's, he's yeah. still relatively young, although he's got a lot of caps and name, a lot of games under his belt. You still get there's still that little bit of growing up to do. He's, he's, he's grown up massively as a player over mm. the last few years. He's still got a little bit. Not everybody makes the right decision. That's the thing. Um, mm. But he is he is electric. He's got a great engine. Um, 
and you've you've seen it in the Six Nations and certainly yeah. for Glasgow games, he has got that X factor, especially for for Scotland players. It's great to see. Mm. How would um, you differentiate his uh, strengths and weaknesses against uh, Jared Payne and um, Lee Halfpenny? I think his his strengths are definitely his attacking game. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think there's anybody who can quite run the ball um, like him. He's got that step and acceleration. He can he can find those half gaps very well. Uh, I think the one that everybody picks up on is maybe his defence. It's improved massively, but he still slips off the tackle every now and again. Um, but yeah, I think his strengths definitely outweigh his weaknesses. Um, you get him on ball, his his attacking flair and his fitness are are, are brilliant. They are international standard and beyond. And um, obviously, when you said you've played with him a fair few times, what's his position like? So you know when you, you know what it's like when you've got a really good fullback behind you as a winger. You know that he's always been in the right place. He'll be catching the ball in the full. Is he clever that way? You know, you mentioned he might fall off the odd tackle, but is he clever with his positional stuff? Yeah, he's very good. And like I say, the fitness side of things, he's he's there every time. He he know he knows the game of rugby, mm. and he, he he reads these things very well. So, especially with the system we use at Glasgow and it being similar to Scotland, as a winger, you knew ninety percent of the time, especially on first phase, you'd take second last and knowing that the, the fullback had that. Mm. That last one covered because the way we defend our lions are different. Mm. They might have a different system, but knowing he'd be there every time, and let's like say with the, with the fitness and stuff, like he was there every time. Sean, um, always great when you come on. I hope uh, you're not struggling too much with retirement yet. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm quite enjoying. <laughs> oh well, that's well, that's really good to hear. Uh, thank you very much. Not at all. Cheers. Time now to switch codes because we can speak to the editor of 4020, uh, Rugby League magazine, Phil Kaplan. Phil, good evening. Good to speak to you. And you, mate. Now then, um, I've been reading things about quite concerning, actually, especially regarding England's potential performance in the World Cup. Second period of three games in seven days. Now, you know, we've discussed uh, this before on this show, and it's not just a question of player safety, it's a question of the quality of the product. And um, everyone I've spoken to isn't very happy about this. What, what do you, what's your view? Well, it affects on two levels. The first and really the only one that matters is this supposed principle of duty of care, that it's all very well having concussion protocols and uh, limits between matches. But if if the governing body itself and the the club owners are going to schedule games twice over a weekend, twice in a season, it is going to have an effect. So the first thing is we need to look after our players. It absolutely tests the squad depth, the quality of the juniors coming through. And what you don't want to ever get to is a, a championship being decided by the team that has the fewest number of injuries and yes. that is a concern this year especially with it being a World Cup year. Mm-hmm. I think Brian McDermott the Leeds coach said something that um, the effect of these games stays in the bones so even though you, you give your players two days off to recover they don't and yeah. the second part of this argument which is, is again the one that needs to be taken into consideration is that this is a sport that thrives on spectacle that when it was set up in the first place 120 years ago the idea was the fans pay their money to be entertained. And mm-hmm. the standard of rugby that you can see when you've, you've had these two games over a weekend, twice in a season, is affected. Are fans getting value for money? Is there an entertainment spectacle? If we take the Lee Wigan game that was I was just going to go on to that, yeah. Yep. You know, 
absolutely fantastic for Lee. First time they've beaten their neighbours in the Battle of the Borough since 1984. The reason why they wanted to be in Super League when the fixtures came out was looking at this fixture in particular. And they won it, and they won it 50-34. But do we want to see 84 points in 80 minutes? Um, well, you do if they're really well earned, but you don't if... If it's because, arguably, or only arguably, Wigan have got so many injuries that they're down to the bare bones. But I think it also has to be a balance between attack and defence in any form of sport, but particularly in rugby. Fair and enough. if one of those... Uh, it's the bat and ball principle in cricket, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. don't want either your bowlers or your batsmen to dominate too much because it's a contest of halves. And the yeah. danger is, if you play too much, what goes isn't your attack, it's your defence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Wigan have prided themselves under the, the, the Sean Wayne banner and certainly Michael McGuire who preceded him with being the best defensive team in the league and conceding 50 points isn't good enough but mm. you already have got an excuse there with the players who are out and well, the structures that they can play when they don't train you. Well, well Sean Wayne uh, was uh, the um, the Wigan coach you said they were a strong group and everyone in the dressing room knows we can get back are they going to get back with uh, unless they get some of these players back fairly sharpish well, even if they do, and, and you'll know this a lot better than me, that just bringing a player back who've been out injured for a long time, they've got John Bateman, for example, who was you know, a second row, was in good enough form to be considered for the England squad before he had a long-term injury. Mm-hmm. It's going to take him a number of weeks to get back match fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reserve grade that they can play, and it, he'll be tossed straight into the action. That's true, yeah. And the problem, what the interesting thing, I guess, is we're in the final furlong of the regular season. We're only yes. five rounds away now until the, the 23 round split. Yeah. And we should talk about how brilliant Castleford have been. Again, the six points clear after tonight's uh, defeat of Warrington. But the interest centres on the bottom four. Uh, yeah. Warrington are already in it. There's a potential that Wigan could be. And the thought of last that year's will be grand finalist <laughs> yeah. being in the bottom four and fighting against the top four from the championship in a relegation battle would just be a I mean, today's game sort of tells you how the season's gone, really. That yeah. Castleford started off the season at probably around 14 to 1 to get to Old Trafford. They're now yeah. 6 to 4 favourites. Yeah. Warrington were 7 to 2 second favourites. Um, and they're probably beyond 40 to 1 now to make well, it's been, I mean, the, you know, the, the demise and the, the unevenness since the opening round when the, well, not the opening round, but the opening fixture when the, uh, you know, when the World uh, Club Challenge. And, sure. You know, he's remarkable. Let's tell me, talk about the you know top, who's going to be top and bottom and whatever. Salford, uh, uh, you know, Hull uh, beaten second place, so twenty-two nil lead at one point, um, and uh, reversing a, a thrashing uh, earlier on in the season, fifty-four eighteen. Um, you know, Wasbrook out and Houghton in. I, I, I thought it was a commendable performance. Yeah, Hull needed that, I think. Um, they were the side that I think suffered the most when you have double weekends. Not so much for injuries, that obviously we need to take into account teams like Widners who were up to squad number 40 and accept all that. But Hull play a very physical game. It's built around the strength of their pack. Uh, and when you play two games in four days, that, that absolutely drains you. And I think they've suffered more than any team results-wise over the double weekends. Mm-hmm. So to get that result at Salford, uh, who are a team that they're vying with for, for the top four, and yeah, that's a commendable return to form. But the astonishing result this weekend was Huddersfield, who have got out of the bottom four for the first time by scoring over 50 points in the south of France. And that's virtually unheard of for, mm-hmm. for Catalan Dragons to concede that many. And, and they are another club that seem to be in apparent disarray at the moment. Mm. I was just about to mention that, Phil, a second ago, another high-scoring game. 
How much of the uh, the Catalan Dragons been affected by the the coaching? So they've got coaching issues going on there. Is that is that playing an immediate um, contribution towards their negative performance? You think it, it doesn't help. I mean, obviously you need some stability, and I think the initial indications were that they were going to let uh, Michael Monaghan and Jerome Guise just take over from Laurent Freycinet, and and hopefully um, at the end of the season make a, a more measured appointment. I don't think that can happen now. They they are in. It uh, looks as though they're, they're in danger of being mm. in the bottom four. And the likelihood of them um, possibly even facing Toulouse, who will be in the top four of the championship, <laughs> whilst it's exciting for us, it could be disaster for them. Um, the the rumours this morning were that they were going to hasten an appointment. They'd looked at Tony Smith, the Warrington coach, who obviously has enough issues on his hands at the moment trying to get the Wolves out of that bottom four. Yeah. Word is that he, he perhaps doesn't see himself taking the job at this time in his career, and that Steve McNamara might come over, which would be a... Wow. An extremely surprise appointment, bearing in mind that he's on the coaching staff at New Zealand Warriors, just been appointed by New Zealand to help their World Cup bid. So to fly the ex-England coach back... Did they have the money? Uh, I don't think there's a problem. They are the, commercially the best club in Super League. Yeah. It might not be the, the best supported, mm. not far off, but the business uh, community in the south of France, the Catalan area, are fantastic supporters of the club. They get at least 400 people eating before every home game. So I, I think in terms of... It's probably worth it in France. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got a chairman again in Bernard Guache who uh, is, uh, is very big in the Viand market. So oh, I think right, they fair get, enough. They get very well looked after with what they eat, but uh, he ploughs the money back into the team and the coaching staff, yeah. so it's an equitable relationship down there. Uh-huh. Uh, let's just... Uh, you know, talking of teams that have been up and down recently, Leeds, uh, uh, a narrow win, um, ended uh, Wakefield's uh, run. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I thought, actually, I thought up front, they, they might have made more... It was won and lost up front for me. Yeah, well, it was a... Um, Again, the defence-orientated game leads very, very solid this year. And I think yeah. the, the trials and tribulations of 2016, when they went from winning everything to scrapping to preserve their status, I think it's, it's created a mentality in 2017 that first and foremost, they are going to defend with great passion on their line. And mm-hmm. that was what won them the game. Um, I think to, to be sitting joint second at this time of the year and mathematically to be in the eight with five rounds to go, that, that's almost first objective achieved. But we yeah. moved into the Challenge Cup next week weekend the quarterfinals Leeds have got a tie at home to championship club Featherstone which is the easiest to predict of the four yeah. uh, it looks as though they'll be 80 minutes from Wembley so I think there is a feel-good factor returning to Headingley the crowds are there Joel Moon has scored his 17th try this season already but if we're talking about tries and entertainers just must mention Greg Eden very quickly mm-hmm. uh, we've said Castleford are top of the league um, obviously there's, there's still the, the Dennis Solomona case hanging over Castleford and we've seen what he's done with, with England Rugby Union today, but the guy who's taken mm. his place at Castleford, Greg Eden, scored five tries today mm. in their victory over Warrington. It equals the club record. He scored 33 already yes. this season in 19 games. Solomona got 42 last year, but five hat-tricks or more in mm. the last six games. I mean, this is Martin Afire territory. Yes, yes it is. Let's, let's just um, uh, talk very quickly then about the, the Challenge Cup. You mentioned uh, Leeds Featherstone that we've got... Uh, We've got some other good fixtures: Warrington, Wigan, Hull, Castleford. I don't know what the whole Castleford one should be a belter, shouldn't it? I think the truth is that in keeping with Super League, we genuinely cannot predict with a degree of certainty the other three fixtures. Wigan, Warrington is almost the end of the season for the team that loses. 
Yes. If you look at the league table, however much we admire what Sean Wayne does at Wigan and the culture that they stand for, they're almost getting to the point where they're too far away from hitting the top four. Uh, Warrington's whole season has changed and now it's purely about survival. They, mm-hmm. they need to get in the top eight. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're looking at getting to Old Trafford. So one of these teams loses effectively in the middle of June. Their season is over. That, that's mm-hmm. massive. Yeah. Um, Cass is intriguing because you've got the team that worked so hard to win the Cup at Wembley after so long, not wanting to give it up against the team who have been the finest in the competition this year. That, yeah. that, they have had some wonderful rivalries over the year. They're, Aside from Hull Hull KR, Hull Cass is a big derby and always has been. And they both play the game in a, in a completely opposite manner. So Hull is forward-driven. Uh, Castleford is, is flare through the backs. That is one definitely to be worth watching. Yeah. And it's how the team that loses from that goes on to approach the rest of the season. And then we've got Salford-Wakefield, who are two of the high achievers this year, uh, both in unexpected uh, needing oxygen at the top of the mountain rather than looking at the bottom. Mm-hmm. They played each other last week, uh, and Wakefield scrapped to a really important victory at Salford. Salford mm-hmm. now coming off the back of a defeat. How do they cope with that? Um, again, very, very intriguing. And one of those two teams, which, with the greatest respect, we might call unfashionable, will be 80 minutes from Wembley. Yep. Well, Phil, we only have a short amount of time to wait before we find out about these. And the, the great thing is we know there'll be great fixtures. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Right, it's uh, now time to come back to Rugby Union and it's time to hear from another member of the team behind the team. In association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions, supporting the team behind the team. So, as the Lions continue their tour of New Zealand, we're bringing you the story of those uh, behind the scenes, the team behind the team, supported by QBE Business Insurance. This week, we're going to be hearing from Brian Cunliffe, the Lions sports scientist. And I began by talking to him about the challenge of touring. It's something that you've got to embrace very, very early on. And Mm -hmm. you can either hold up the red flag and say, this is a really big constraint, or you've got to embrace it and plan around it. Um, the reality of our tour is um, we've got 10 games in 35 days. We'll have 11 uh, travel strategies. We'll have 15 hotels, so that's 30-pack unpack routines. And with yeah. that comes a fair degree of energy management. So I guess my role on, on the tour is understanding what player tolerances are. Everybody's got an energy budget or an energy bank, and that can be depleted on the field. It can be depleted off the field. Mm-hmm. So um, I've got to understand that and working with coaches and the players themselves to use that information in a well-informed way so that we can start to plan accordingly and we can tweak things along the way. Do you actually get players who who... Uh, I'm not saying you know crippled by this, but you know are worse than others at you know, simply the process of travelling. Yeah, I mean, players are they're not robots; they're human beings, and the reality is we're all different. Um, mm. You'll have some people that are in your classic evening hour category. You'll have a large proportion of them in the kind of morning lark mm-hmm. category. So, depending on what time you travel and what time you land, it's going to have a I guess, a different physiological consequence based on, on what your personal preferences are. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's one thing I've, I've learned from, from working in rugby union is 
I think people are very readily able to accept challenges mm-hmm. um, and, and um, generally there isn't the money mentality. People do get on with it and accept it. Um, and I think if you can start with that mindset from the outset, I think personally it's half the battle. When you're doing your work, presumably you will be doing it within games as well. Are you doing it real time? Yes, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll collect real time information. We'll, um, we'll do uh, pre and post training, sometimes up to two, three training sessions a day. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's very much a live process of opening the communication loop and closing it with data and well-informed decisions. Um, is it possible, therefore, for you to tell us what, what would be a typical day? Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's pretty hairy at the best of times. It, it does vary. Um, I guess you could probably break it down between a training day and a match day. Uh, OK, training tell, us, day. tell us both. That'd be great. Yeah, training day, I guess um, you get up around 6.30 in the morning. Um, my role as a, a sports scientist is very much the... The eyes and ears of the group collectively, I'll be the first person they'll probably see in the morning as they enter into the team environment. Um, so we'll monitor uh, players. It's no more than 30, 30 to 60 seconds. When they walk in, we'll assess their their energy status, uh, their body weights, uh, how they slept that night. And I'm really, really closing that loop with a conversation. Um, and following that, once all players have, have completed that process, generally I'll um, either head to the gym with them if we've got a pre-top-up, pre-breakfast, um, or I'll, I'll liaise with chefs around breakfast time and meal provision before we set out for the, the first training session of the day. And that's very much around collecting, I guess, training-based metrics on the players themselves. So you'll all be um, used to seeing that little slight bulge in the back of players' mm-hmm. necks um, when in their, in their training jerseys, a GPS device. So we'll collect information in real time around how they move and uh, how much they move. So the, the, the load tolerances of these players and, and feed that back both after session and then how that informs our week's plan and going ahead. And that would differ. What, what, what about a match day? Match day is a little bit less I suppose labour intensive from my perspective. Um, ultimately, we'll we'll have uh, to hit the ground early. We'll we'll go to the ground pretty pretty early. We'll we'll set up the the, the changing room from a nutritional perspective. We'll have all um, all the players, I guess, recovery preferences and primer choices. What they like to do on game day. What they don't like to do. What. Um, specific pieces of equipment they like to have in the dressing room. It's just about getting all that stuff in place. It's a heavy logistical component to it. Um, in addition to collecting information during the game itself, it's bringing players through specific recovery protocols. Um, and then, of course, there's players that won't have played that game, so the non-23. So ultimately, we've got to ensure that those players don't um, become undercooked as well. So they will have a training session in the morning of game day and that information has to be turned around as well so it's uh it probably starts at 8 7 a.m 7 in the morning and probably ends at half 11 12 o'clock at night that's a that's a long old day what look, in in lines tours they're, they're unusual in this sense on on national tours you quite often get reasonable spaces between games or you certainly get the midweek team is completely different from the test team and everyone knows it 
and there's not much overlap. In a Lions setting, people are trying to go from one to the other and, you know, everyone is trying yeah. to be given the chance. Playing on Tuesday from a Saturday is a really difficult thing if you're in the midweek team. How can you... How, what, is there anything you can do to try and make the the experience, you know, more more real, more usual for a midweek team? We've been lucky enough to have had a pretty close relationship with the clubs and the home unions leading into this tour, so we will understand what a typical day and a typical week looks like for each player, what what low tolerances they've got, when are they undercooked, what does that look like if a red flag starts to emerge, mm-hmm. what does that actually look like on the ground? What does that player look like under fatigue? So we'd have a fair bank of information on them already. And then it's, I guess, as we go through the tour, ensuring that we absolutely nail players who are coming in at different starting points from a physical prep perspective mm-hmm. to allow them the best possibility to perform, whether they're in a midweek team or a uh, stacking up again at the weekend team. Um, players are used to this to some degree. I know it sounds a little bit hairy-fairy, but they, they are used to stacking up games, um, albeit the, this tour is pretty relentless, but you're not going to get a player that will play every game, and that is the reality. It didn't happen on the last tour, and, and, and the player base that Warren has selected probably reflects that. So we'll keep a very close eye on certain players in terms of minutes played and the intensity that they will have played to allow them the optimum recovery post midweek games and if that includes taking a session or having a session for a certain player or on certain occasions and even sitting out sessions we'll do it and how closely do you work with the rest of the team behind the team because they overlap with Bobby Stridgen's strength and conditioning and uh, NFLV's medical team must be huge yeah, I guess I suppose uh, I, I I do cross both teams. I probably cross into logistics as well because there's a fair amount of performance planning in terms of what we should employ at certain stages of the tour. So it's, I guess it's just getting really, really live and honest, open conversation loop between all parties. Mm-hmm. Um, as players, as I meet players in the morning, if I feel there's a medical issue that needs to be followed up, that's a, a conversation straight away with the medical team. If it has something that I feel is more of a physical preparation slant to it, um, you know, we'll meet as a team probably two or three times during each day. And if that's five minutes, it's five minutes. But it's just ensuring that absolutely no communication gaps exist. Um, and it's just, yeah, keeping that a really, really live process. The, the benefit of this tour is um, you are in a fairly close-knit bubble and um, you do bump into people on a pretty regular basis <laughs> yeah. throughout the day. So... If you can't communicate um, and close those loops, you're in trouble. Brian, you could make a case out for being possibly the busiest man on tour, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, well... Well, do you get paid more than others then? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I've got my, um, I've, I've got my Rolls Royce sitting out front as we speak. Um, no, not, not at all. Yes, uh, sports science role, I guess. A lot of it does go hidden at times. A lot of it is um, working behind the scenes, but everybody's busy and um, that's that's something that everybody's got to get their head around on these tours you're living off uh, probably six hours sleep for for eight weeks and um, it's just something that mentally you've got to prepare for and embrace that chaos I don't think it's about 
number of minutes clocked in and clocked out. It's, mm. it's very much around where you're best needed, and I think we're pretty good at tapping out if we do need 20 minutes here and there. We've 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 really really tried to employ a strategy whereby nobody is completely reliant on each other. So mm. if I if I got ill tomorrow morning, somebody else could easily pick up my role. I've no doubt. Well, thanks to Brian Cunliffe there for sharing his story and how he fits into the team behind the team. I'm sure that, like you, uh, you found that fascinating. I didn't quite understand how that differentiated, you know, from uh, performance that Bobby Stridgen did and, and things like that. It seems to me that, apart from the doctor, he's probably one of the busiest men on tour. Um, I'd also like to thank QB Business Insurance, who support this podcast, and the team behind the uh, British and Irish Lions. QBE are about building the strongest possible partnerships, one team, and collaboration across multiple countries to give business the confidence to achieve their ambitions. Right, um, we've only got a few minutes left, but time to to look ahead uh, to the Highlanders and the Maoris, but also to take a final question, uh, a question from Lance Bradley. Um, with some Warburton lacking match fitness and uh, Alan Wynne-Jones doing so well, would you start the first test with Alan Wynne Jones as captain and Sam Walkman on the bench? Well, we touched this a uh, little bit earlier on, but well, let's modify it in this sense. It doesn't uh, alter the thrust of the question. If Sam Walkman isn't picked, they've got to have a captain, obviously. Who will it be? Uh, well, firstly, if this is the same Lance Bradley I think it could be, then I was on the phone to him yesterday oh. and he should have just asked me. All right, but, okay. uh, so he obviously doesn't want to know my view, so he's probably <laughs> asking this to you. But but no, I think um, I think it's a great shout and it's interesting that that uh, Alan Wynn's name's been mentioned because I'm a big fan. I, mm-hmm. I think I think he is. And he was a third test captain um, and, the, and effectively captain the winning side in the last Lions tour. So big yeah, case for that. Absolutely. Experience and he's Welsh. Exper- yeah, and he's and, well, no, look, 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 That's a factor because Gatlin knows him very well and yeah. obviously he trusts him. He knows what he's getting from him. He knows him. what he's getting from he, him. He, yeah. he, he certainly plays that way, doesn't he? He plays... I don't know what he's like in the change room. He's a talker. Some captains are the type of guys that... They, they lead by example on the pitch and they know how to speak to the referee and whatever else. Um, and I'd, I'd certainly think I'd, I'd start him uh, at second row along with the Toje personally. And I think his experience there, he seemed quite an obvious guy. But again, we, we did touch on it briefly before. Lots of captains. Lots well, of the, captains. Good, the good thing is that as a, cap, well, as a captain, you cannot make every decision on the field. You certainly can't make them during play yeah. when it matters. And therefore you rely... On the leaders, the spine of the team, as we all know. Definitely. But I think I I would go as far as to say this: if Warburton doesn't play and yeah. Alan Wynn is playing, he will be captain. Uh, I, I think that's almost a certainty. I'd agree, definitely. Uh, almost a certainty. So, um, so Lance, I hope that uh, answers that uh, question. Looking forward, the Highlanders. How important is it that they continue the momentum from the Crusaders? It's very important that they continue the momentum. The only thing I'd say is it's a very different outfit we're looking at here in the two sides. And it wouldn't be ideal losing this game, but come on, we're not going to get the exact same performance because the players, there's a different group Mm -hmm. out there now. So the performance will be different. Now, you might say, I want to see certain parts mirrored to the performance of the other day, like the blitz Mm defence, you want to call it the blitz defence, the press defence, the collision. One thing we didn't mention um, earlier on when we were talking is all the tackles that the Lions are making at the moment, they're not making what you call a soft tackle, a leg chop tackle. They're mm-hmm. making a dominant tackle. Mm-hmm. There's a mindset that normally you go on about, you know, if you looked at the biggest hits after a game, you might get one or two. They're almost going with this, this attitude of every hit is a big hit. 
Mm-hmm. Every hit is a dominant um, tackle. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be one thing that the, the, the line coaches do want to see. Forgetting all the other stuff, we want to see a big set piece again. We want to see a big um, collision again. We want to be good at the breakdown. They're the things that you can replicate. I think the brand and the style of play is always going to be different with different individuals there like Bigger, Joseph, Henshaw. They play a different type of rugby to your Sexons, Farrells and Tios. Um not essential they win this game, if I'm honest with you. I, I don't think it is. I think if it's going to be the ghost side playing against the Maoris of the first test, that's a, that's that the is performance a big, you're yeah, assessing, that's the one you've got to You're have. more concerned about that than you are tomorrow's uh, yeah. Tuesday's performance. And actually, if you look at the team that's been picked against the Highlanders, frankly, um, with the quality there and the time they've had now, they should be able to, uh, to put the Highlanders away. Not saying it'll be easy, but I think the quality... Is definitely there. They'll be disappointed if they don't do it. But as you, I think, r- quite rightly say, the one that you really have to put away is if you are starting your shadow test side, and it will be, it's got to be that against the Maris because you can't play that you know, um, uh, on the Tuesday before because you just don't have time to recover. So it's going to be the Maris, uh, and they, and that's the one that they have to win just because to go into the first test having lost that yeah. psychologically is just not good. Um, it will raise all sorts of doubts that, and back to the wall, and we need to do this mm. for the tour. Is a certain has a certain quality about it in terms of motivation, but it's not like the confidence of knowing you've won and won well. No, absolutely, and I, I think that's the point. The Maoris game. If you lose that game, suddenly you're you're very much. And yes, you'll turn around and say the usual lines of it's a new game. You know, it's a new eighty minutes and all these type of things. But actually, mentally, it's ingrained in your head. I think to get the win against the Maoris is is the key thing, the essential part. Just very briefly looking at the bench, some key individuals for this Highlanders game. I don't want to see bigger picking up an early knock and having to get Farrell on the pitch no. too soon for me. Um, you, you're just concerned. You want him to be as fresh and raring to go as possible. Um, he's he's the main individual, but but like you said, looking at the individuals in the Lions side against the Highlanders by their own very high standards that they've got, mm-hmm. they should be backing themselves to win this match. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's all we've got time for. You've been listening to Brian Moore's Full Contact in association with the Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance. Many thanks to my co-host uh, Jim Simpson Daniel for joining me in the studio this week, and of course, as always, to our producer. Abby Patterson is happy because Scotland uh, beat Italy. Next week, I'll be joining the studio by former Quinslock, uh, George Robson. Remember, you can get in contact with us throughout the week via the hashtag FullContact. And don't forget, please subscribe to the podcast. It's free. And then leave us a review. Thank you and good night. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.